Treating your team like family can be a big mistake. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. You've probably heard leaders say it. Maybe you've said it yourself. You were trying to motivate your team. You said something like, we treat each other like family. We're one big family here at XYZ Corp. Or I treat my team as if they were family. And it feels like a nice thing to say. You want them to know that you care about them, that you see them as people, that everyone cares about each other, and that, yeah, you might fight at times, but you always come back together. And listen, as leaders, we are all about genuine caring and connection. Winning Well is, is all about that focus on both results and relationships. But there are three problems with comparing your team or company to a family, and they can badly undermine your leadership and your team's effectiveness. The first problem is that you don't know what family means. Every person is going to interpret the word family differently depending on their past and their experience. For some people, that definition of family is that safe place where you're always accepted no matter how badly you've screwed up. Well, you can see where that might be a problem on a team. For another team member, the family might mean a dysfunctional, tense situation that they left as soon as they could. I've had team members who had that experience and definition of family. For another team member, family means that they just wait for their parent to tell them what to do, and they don't have to think for themselves. So as soon as you use a word like family, you no longer have a shared, mutually understood set of expectations about what success looks like and about how you're going to treat each other. Instead, you have tapped into everyone's wildly different definitions about what family means. So the person who thinks that they're going to be accepted no matter how badly they've screwed up is working alongside the person who says, you know, family guy, get, get away from that. That's just massive dysfunction. Is working alongside the person who thinks a hey, family just means my parents are going to tell me what to do. I don't have to think. That is a recipe for disaster. The second problem is that you're not a family. When it comes down to motivating people, one of the biggest problems with family language is that obviously you're not a family. One big difference that I've seen create problems for many businesses is the idea that you can't fire a brother or a sister for poor performance. And I've listened to sad employees receive that letter of separation and tearfully tell their manager, but we're supposed to be family. This isn't right. And they believe it. And they've been allowed to believe it because the manager so frequently spoke in terms of family. The reason you have a team is to achieve a shared goal. That's why everybody is a part of that team, whether it's to serve your customer, to create change in the world, or to solve some kind of significant problem. And when your behavior doesn't align with that goal, you can and should be removed from the team. That's not unhealthy, that's healthy. Families may or may not share a common goal, and rarely does poor behavior get you removed from a family, but it can and certainly should get you removed from a healthy team. The third challenge with using family language as a leader is that you make growth difficult. Often it's small teams and smaller businesses that will speak of themselves as a family. It's natural. The constant time that you spend with your team, the high pressure, 
the informal meetings and the, the lack of structure that come with small organizations can feel very family-like. You may be spending more time with them than your actual family. But that mindset makes it really challenging when you want to grow. Team members who enjoyed the casual environment and the lack of structure start to complain when you introduce role clarity and you define your most important things, your MITs, and you increase accountability. This is where you hear things from employees like, well, we used to be a family, but now we're becoming so corporate. And corporate is said as if it were a poisonous snake. And to be fair, if their experience of corporate has been to be treated like a number and not like a person, it may have been poisonous. Again, it's one of those things where people's experience of a word is different from person to person. What do we do with this? Well, if you catch yourself or your team talking about being a family, I'd invite you to start by having an honest, straightforward conversation. You might say something like, you know, I've heard us talk about being a family, and I've said it as well. I want to talk about that. Family can mean different things to different people, and I'd like for us to make sure we're on the same page and that we understand one another. When you have that conversation, reinforce that you are a team or an organization and you're focused both on results and relationships. Relationships are important, and so are the results. So clarify the MITs. Clarify what success looks like. You might use the expectations matrix that we've shared in a previous episode and facilitate a conversation about everyone's expectations of one another. What are you receiving that you're not expecting? What are you expecting that you're not receiving? Where are the gaps? And what are you expecting that you are receiving from one another? Talk about those. Clarify your culture. How do people like us behave in these circumstances? with regard to how you're going to treat one another with respect, with compassion, and how you're going to hold one another accountable. If growth is in your future, you want to talk about how that's going to require more role clarity and more structure, and how treating one another with respect, compassion, and holding each other accountable, that should never change. When you engage the team in that conversation and help them unpack that there are different definitions of family, and here's what it means to be a part of this team, Here's how we're committed to, to working together. Here's what people like us do. Here are the goals that we are going to achieve when we all show up and support each other, treat each other with respect, hold each other accountable. Well, that calls everybody to some mutually shared, clear expectations, what success looks like. And for some people, that is going to be radically better than their family experience. And for others, it will simply be different. But that way, you've got a clear set of guidelines, of expectations, of understanding that everyone can be a part of. Hey, this is Nora and I have a question. Hi David, my name is Jamie and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about- Hey David, this is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi David, this is Susan from New Jersey and my question is- Hi David, this is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. It's time to answer your questions. Love to answer your management or leadership related question or a question about any previous episode of the show. You can send those in one of two ways. Either email it to me, david.dye at letsgrowleaders.com, or you can go to the show's webpage, leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. You'll see a big orange button. Click that button and you can record your question. Tell us where you're from, what your question is, your name, and we will use that on a future episode. This week, I actually did not get any questions. 
And so I want to share a question that came up at a conference where Karen and I were speaking last week. We were talking about the INSPIRE model, which I've shared in a previous episode. But just to refresh your memory, the INSPIRE model is a way to plan for and hold tough feedback conversations. You initiate the conversation, you notice the behavior, supporting evidence, probe, ask what's going on, invite, invite them to come up with a, a solution, review their commitment, and E and Forge, you set that final um, meeting where you're going to follow up on the conversation that happened and see if the behavior has actually changed and where it needs to be. So we were demonstrating this, and Karen was demonstrating to me. She was acting as in the role of the person delivering the feedback, and I was the recipient. And a woman in the back of the room raised her hand. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but how do I do this as a woman? Which was a little ironic because Karen was actually demonstrating it, and she's a woman, and she was delivering the feedback to a guy. But I think that there is a deeper level of the question. How do I do this as a woman? I think that there are two things that she was getting at in some of the conversation with her that transpired. One is there can be a lack of confidence. I'm not sure I'm confident enough to do this. Uh, I come across as too kind. That is one extreme. And then what happens frequently when people are trying to stop being too kind and, and too nice in their own mind is that they will flip over to a very aggressive type of behavior that then gets them labeled as a bitch or a witch or something like that. And that is all too common in the workplace and all of that labeling doesn't serve anybody. So in talking with her, I think those were some of the, the polarities, some of the tensions that she was wrestling with. And here's what I would say about that is when you are coming from a place of genuine concern and regard for the other human being, that is going to help shift your body language, shift your, your connection, shift the words you use, the tone you use, all of that. So first is start with genuine connection and caring and concern for the other person. Yes, you may be fired up. Yes, they may have disappointed you. Yes, it may have been incredibly frustrating. You might even be angry. But in most cases, if you can start, acknowledge your own emotions and start by saying, okay, I want this person to succeed. I want them to be successful. Let me approach it that way. You have the best chance for success. Then from there, as you're having these conversations, focus on curiosity. I find that is often the most useful emotion and approach to take is because you don't know. Recognizing you don't always know. Now, that doesn't open you up to being gamed or played. It doesn't open you up to uh, accusations of being too nice or too kind. You're just starting by asking the question. So, hey, I noticed that in the meeting you were cutting off your colleagues and interrupting them and uh, dismissing most of their ideas. For example, you told Janet that uh, you know, her idea would never fly. You told Mark that that was the dumbest idea you'd heard on that subject. And I'm curious, what's going on for you here? When you start with that kind of curiosity, it's very difficult for the other person to think you're a jerk. But it's also very difficult for them to think, well, you're just being too nice and they can just evade you. You're asking an assertive curiosity question. So that starting with, I want them to succeed, that's my internal mindset and emotion, and then approaching them with curiosity, really powerful start to the conversation. From there, you're connected, you've gotten curious, assuming there is some genuine poor behavior going on and it is negatively affecting them and you, you've got to see some improvement here. Don't get mad, get sad. One of my favorite 
phrases about choosing your emotions in this moment and how you come across. Aim for concern, aim for even disappointment, aim for serious, but remain calm. Listen, I know you want to get your ideas heard, and right now that's not going to happen because of the kind of interactions you've been having with your colleagues. And I want to see you succeed. So I'm curious, what else might you do here to affirm your colleagues' ideas, to build a better relationship and a better rapport with them so that you can get the same thing from them? So that's the emotional energy you want to aim for. Start with the connection, uh, the commitment to their success internally for you. Uh, then go to curiosity, make your observation, go to curiosity about what's going on here. And then, assuming there is behavior to change, aim for disappointed, concerned, and calm. All that said, I recognize fully the injustice that exists in so many workplaces, and that even with those things, unhealthy people can label somebody who is coming with a, a calm, assertive nature as a bully. If a person's been a bully all their life, it's not unusual for someone who stands up to them to then be labeled a bully in return. I had a gentleman on my team who had an anger management problem, and most everybody shied away from him because of that. He would blow up, and so everybody would give him a lot of space, and they didn't correct some of the performance issues. Well, when there was a performance issue that had to be corrected, and I didn't shy away from it, he blew up, and he called me Hitler. That wasn't me being aggressive. That wasn't me being a jerk. That was him being used to being able to push people away through his anger. And when that didn't work anymore, he escalated and he got even louder and even more hostile in his language. And we had a conversation and we were able to, to figure that out and, and move through it. But those kinds of behaviors happen. And they're going to happen to you if you're holding people accountable in a productive way. It's part of the price you pay for leadership. But your team needs you to be willing to pay that price. Leaders who don't hold people accountable aren't going to be effective. And what I will tell you is that male or female, it is entirely possible to do this. And so the woman that asked the question, I, A, I appreciate her honesty and the fact that she was wrestling with it and able to ask us in a public forum that she's wrestling with it. So having the confidence to do it and not be too nice, that's one thing. But if you're worried about coming across as too hostile and over the top and being labeled negatively, choose your emotions. Start with a concern for the other person, move to curiosity, and then to concern, and you're on your way to being able to hold people accountable and focus on the results and their relationships in those conversations. Thanks for listening. Remember that family can mean something very different from what you mean it to say and it can create bad misunderstandings for your team. So to motivate your team, take the time to clarify your shared expectations about purpose and about the ways that you'll respect and care for one another. That's one more way to be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.